0: <laughs> Hi <laughs> I my mouth and brain ran out of words though is when you started recording.
1: We're both really rusty. We haven't because we didn't do an episode last week uh, last month. Yeah. um it's been two months since we've done one. I don't know what the hell I'm doing now.
0: no I, like when you say rusty though um i what comes to my mind is a character from Starlight Express, and of course I will be uh, referencing musical theater already of course but, um Rusty is uh, a character from Starlight Express. A musical he, about trains.
1: Is is it? I haven't seen Starlight Express. Is Rusty a character that I want to be comparing myself to? You want to root for Rusty? Okay, cool. Okay, okay. Well, to our audience, we're expecting you to root for Rusty this week because that's what we are. Um, hashtag root for Rusty. get trending oh hey i'm on twitter now i got onto twitter you are i joined the twitter universe um what's my what's my name on it again i can't remember dr gabbit follow at dr gabbit d-r-g-a-b-b-i-t you can join my two followers at the moment of which dan is one
0: i am one i am one because i think you'd said somewhere you only had one so i wanted to be another one
1: yeah i think i think i'm I, i think i'm actually maybe up to like six now um which is when you put out gold, like I do, and you have such a small audience, I oh, have up to seven.
0: When you um, put out gold. So we've gone from rusty to gold. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not rusty on Twitter. I'm brand new to Twitter. I'm the opposite I'm, of rusty. Golden,
0: by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Overly confident. <laughs> you know,
0: when you're overly confident and feeling like you're golden on Twitter, there's probably only one way that can go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I am, yeah, I am a bit worried about it because my manager is one of the seven people that follows me and I'm a hospital chaplain and most of the stuff that I post on Twitter is just dumb shit that I find funny rather than anything very deep and meaningful. So I'm hoping I won't get myself in trouble in any way. I don't do, think I
0: will. Do you think dumb shit and deep and meaningful are mutually exclusive?
1: No, I don't. I don't at all. And, um, But there's like, I think people have like an expect, like, a, like I occasionally look at what other people in kind of my line of work are posting and it's all very meaningful and like it's like um worthy yeah 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 yeah. that's right that's right all kind of like yeah all worthy and meaningful and mine's just like funny gifs of cats dressed like dentists and stuff like that
0: that's what i that is the content i want on my
1: social meds same here same here i don't want deeper meaningful no i got um, enough deeper meaningful yeah I'm, I'm, I'm full of meaningful L- L- i just L- want your... froth yeah the deep and meaningful okay
0: um do you want to introduce yourself
1: tim oh yeah yeah my name is tim um and welcome to uh joy story where dan and i talk about joy and happiness and well-being and that kind of stuff uh i come to this conversation from the perspective as i've already said a hospital chaplain somebody who's interested in spirituality Someone who's interested but critical of spirituality, I would say. A lot of stuff that has that label ends up being kind of woo-woo nonsense. Um, And uh, also this month, coming at it as somebody who has rediscovered his love of the TV show Malcolm in the Middle, uh, which is on Disney+. And I've been watching it. I felt a little bit rough these past couple of weeks. Not, not nothing too awful, but I had a tooth out. I was just saying to Dan before we started recording um, and had a little bit of anxiety, like I get health anxiety. So having an open wound in my mouth has kind of made me feel a bit anxious and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And watching stuff like Malcolm in the Middle is just, it's fun and it's easy, but it also really makes me laugh out loud every time. Particularly seeing the character of Hal, who is Heisenberg from Breaking Bad, but just as a lovable doofus. Like he's, he's yeah, it's comedy gold. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. Who I'm, are you?
0: I really want to engage and respond to that, but I've never watched Malcolm Middle, so I'm glad that that's something that's bringing you some kind you of joy. You must. You must watch it. I must watch it. Okay. Um, uh, I'm Dan. I am uh, here as a gay man who is a psychotherapist. What? I You're know. gay? Um. This is my platform for coming out. Um,
1: Surprise! ta <laughs> um,
0: Yeah, I don't think I was fooling anyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, coming from the perspective of a psychotherapist um, and also... I thought I had had a thing in my head that I was gonna say about I'm also here is this and now I've lost it and I don't know what that was gonna be. Um someone who is um moving house this week has sold and bought a house and is moving this week. I guess when this episode comes out I would have moved actually into said house. Um and uh yeah, so currently moving house and not just moving house, moving counties as well. Um That's very exciting. Yeah, so um all in the stress, excitement, fun uh, of all of that at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, What's probably,
1: your predominant
0: emotion? It changes, actually, but excitement more than anything. Um, but yeah, it, it, other others do come in and uh, I flirt with all of the emotions around it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And try and lean into them uh, because it's never just exciting. It's yeah. also why the fuck is this thing happening and why the fuck is it so hard to change my address with this thing and why the fuck is this person trying to piss me off about this yeah yeah um
1: i am I, i moved uh last month as you know but listeners might not know um and i've paid royal mail to redirect my post and since i've lived here which is coming up to a month in fact i think it is a month um i've had no post and I'm just a little bit worried. Like, have I actually just had no post or have Royal Mail fucked it up somehow? Am, am I missing really important letters that are going back to my old place? Um, and the, yeah, it's just moving is fraught with little things like that, which is like, I didn't even think about that. Like, I've got to ch- uh, do I change my driving license. Oh shit, I forgot about it. Yeah, I've got to do that. You know, the, yeah, it's it's quite, quite a stressful thing.
0: So many things. I Over the last couple of months, I've been writing a list of all the things I need to change my address. And so I've been doing the kind of, more informal ones of, like, websites and shopping sites and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot. And then this is really dull content now that I'm about to say. But, like, I'm in a – so I go swimming, but I pay for a monthly swimming – I'm in this contract where I've got, like, a few months left on that and I'm trying to, like, finish that. And they want, like, evidence that I'm moving locations and and evidence that it was unavoidable.
1: And welcome, like, welcome to Joy Story, where yes. real conversations about Leisure World passes, consumer <laughs> really <human> nice. rights. <laughs> Sorry, that was really dull. This is, this is the level of content you can expect, guys. I do have fun of them, but it that, but this is my life right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, I mean, it's awesome. It's exciting that you're moving, but I completely get the the stress thing as well. Yeah, I, I mean, so we didn't as as um committed listeners will know didn't put out an episode last month um for which we're terribly sorry Uh, and one of the reasons for that was my move um just because there's so much to do so you know you get into the new place and you've just got weeks of kind of teething problems and things that you didn't know were a problem and that kind of stuff i currently don't have a roof on my place um because the the roof that was on my place was fucked and needed to go so they took the old roof off and then ran into a supply problem and haven't put a new one on yet so i've been about three weeks without a roof so that's the kind of thing that happens right when you move so that's what that's why not the roof thing specifically but the move is one of the reasons why we didn't put an episode out Um, last
0: month welcome to joy story the story of tiling houses across the country um (laughs) so um yeah i guess and my I know that happened and that's a a thing and we didn't have a podcast last month. We did try to reschedule a couple of times to maybe put one out late. Um, I guess what I'd want to say is as well in the last month, I had a particularly difficult uh, week mental health-wise and maybe that'll come up a bit today, but it was um, a very unexpected week-long misery fest Mm. Um, uh, and... When we were, I think, at one point going to do one a bit late, I needed to kind of rejig my weekend to try and look after myself a little bit. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I am very sorry we didn't put a podcast out to all of our many, 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 many,
1: many listeners. Well, now, we... Both got an email uh, earlier this week to say that the podcast has reached 500 downloads. So that isn't 500 listeners, but that's 500 listens to to the episodes that we've put out so far. So we have we have got... There are some people who are listening.
0: There, there are. And we get really lovely comments from people as well. Who, yeah, we do. really always appreciate those. Um, yeah.
1: And uh, particularly after the last episode, actually. I think we, we got a few... The very lovely messages from people i certainly got a few just kind of personally from friends who've listened who who really enjoyed it um and um yeah i, did. I got quite a, yeah
0: i wasn't sure what it was because i know that after we recorded the last episode you would said you felt that was a good episode like a good conversation yeah. we'd had and yeah um and i absolutely agree that i wasn't i didn't come out of that thinking oh that was like the best conversation we'd had or like yeah actually the feedback from some of the people was that was a good conversation it was helpful for some people i know we've got some nice comments um so yeah i just want to read one out actually now um so this is from grey um and grey used to work uh, in an organization that me and you both used to work at as well if you just heard that? Did you just hear? Norm? Yeah, yeah. We yeah did. Um, so Norma was... just decided to shake her whole body and ears around, and that was that noise.
1: Dan's saying that, but I saw him. That was him shaking his chops. <laughs> um... <laughs> all right, Norma. Sorry to interrupt. That's <laughs> all right, right? right. That's all right. It's a very That's nice, nice right, noise.
0: Girl. Norma, you okay? Good girl. Taylor's wagon. i can see her last tail wagging it doesn't take much <laughs> um, so gray um yeah um gave a bit of feedback uh, this short message regarding the healthy living episode absolutely amazing episode these conversations are just beautiful they're straight from my head sometimes i wish friends were able to talk, always talk like this thank you and thank you to tim too and uh Little love heart emoji and some other emojis of running and the dragon chasing the dragon over oh, of course
1: him. oh yeah 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 we talked about that yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um which opened a bit a nice back and forth actually with with grace i really appreciate that feedback and we cool. got a few nice comments like that didn't
1: we yeah yeah thanks
0: um, gray yeah um i know we've had a few different suggestions of things to talk about and i think we can just keep kind of banking things like that because i think in terms of joy story and things for us to talk about there's always going to be an endless list of things for us to yeah, yeah. cover I think um yeah but I know from talking before we hit record today you were um well I'll let you say what you were saying about what we want to talk about
1: um well there was a couple of things wasn't there there was um we we both we, we were both talking and laughing um about JK Rowling um <laughs> Because I was just saying, so let's, let's, if you, if you've somehow missed this story, JK Rowling, yeah. you know, author of Harry Potter, one of the most successful authors in the world, well, certainly financially most successful authors in the world. Um, I would imagine right near the top. Um, uh, recently, Vladimir Putin, mass, mass murdering fuckhead, Vladimir Putin, awful, like probably the world's number one villain villain at the moment, has come out in support of J.K. Rowling because because um, she got cancelled for being very transphobic. Um, and I yeah. was saying to Dan, I would have just really liked to have been a fly on the wall when somebody, like one of her assistants or somebody in her family or something, was like, Joanne, um, have, you, have you watched the news? <laughs> you, you might you might want to sit down for this. <laughs> I mean, there's so much to
0: unpack in that. I just. I mean, has she been cancelled?
1: Well, I I mean... We could do a whole podcast about yeah. cancel culture. Okay, for I, personally, I don't think cancel culture is a real thing. She, no, 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 she no. hasn't been canceled. She's got a huge platform. But oh, Vladimir oh, Putin was saying that, you know, Yeah, so that was the experience yeah, of cancel culture.
0: That was how the world's number one villain was relating to J.K.
1: That's from right, that's right, yeah. Um,
0: yeah we've we similar it. views on uh, trans people and vulnerable yeah. communities,
1: so, yeah. which must be delightful to hear. Completely, but, completely. Uh, I mean, you know you fucked up, right? When you got, the, <laughs> I
0: was, the, um, Sorry, I know we're going to kind of already go straight into it now, but like, so yeah, I I know there was that to kind of talk about, and you had something else, but I just kind of don't want to miss this thing that was I was reading um, about how people and like people like J.K. Rowling can end up in a very strident point of view of I will not be silenced, and I will, yeah. Uh, say what I believe about this and how easy it is. I remember when she first either retweeted or did something on Twitter that was a, someone's, someone else's comment that was transphobic in nature. And her yeah. response to that was, I've had a senior moment. And, like, she'd accidentally done it or I didn't know quite what I was doing. And to say that's where she started and where we're at now, where Vladimir Putin is identifying with her, is extraordinary. Isn't it? Um, So she started, yeah, I've had a senior moment. And, sorry, what I was reading was how easy it is to become like I don't know, radicalized, indoctrinated, whatever it is, like into yeah. a way of thinking where, oh, I've made a mistake. And when you say I've made this mistake, then all of these, whether it's right wing people or well, prejudiced people, bigoted yeah. people, like we then rally around that person saying, No, 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 that's no. that yeah. it was a mistake, actually. Um, we thought what you said was really helpful and really good and then and then you get more and more people bolstering you. Yeah,
1: you yeah. And it's
0: so like Ferments and solidifies this then point of view, which is you've just seen this really quite a quick journey,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Rowling yeah,
0: to get there. But yeah, to, to you, when yeah, the world's number one fuckhead villain at the moment, like the likes yeah. we've not seen in a long time, says, Yeah, I identify with J.K. Rowling, you've got to take a look at
1: yourself, surely, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah bananas so yeah like like i was saying before we hit record like people like jk rowling and and graham linehan as well you know who wrote some of the great you know father ted and the it crowd like i love those shows so much they're so funny and so switched on and so intelligent and they get onto this like in this instant this conversation about their opinion about trans people and what trans is and isn't and that kind of stuff and then just don't shut the fuck up about it and you just want (laughs) someone like someone in their inner circle just needs to say stop it you don't what why do you need to like believe what you want to believe but stop talking about it surely you can see it's upsetting people surely you can see you're hurting yourself and your career just like why do you need to go on about it? Just drop it, leave it. It's
0: fascinating. And it's absolutely. I think in terms of JK Rowling, I know she's, her sharing of whatever she's been sharing recently has really riled me up. And it's all come about because of a lot of sports stuff. And like the conversation around the inclusion of trans women oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in, uh, in, in different sports events and stuff. And like, is that fair or not? And, um, but then that narrative gets so so quickly twisted, and yeah, like yeah. you said, that it targets vulnerable groups of people yeah. rather than having some sensible conversation. You're actually just damaging people.
1: That's right. Um, That's right.
0: Them. So yeah, I think in terms of all of that. Sorry, um, the one of the things we thought we'd talk about potentially, and wrapped into another conversation, is when you found joy in something, whether it's music, some kind of art, uh, novels, stories. And then that gets tainted or diluted or twisted because the creator or some other thing else relating to it gets embroiled in something like this. And then the thing that you get got joy from or still get joy from feels difficult or has is problematic or challenging, whatever. So that's yeah. one of the things we were thinking.
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And then kind of linked with that, it, well, yeah. We'll make it. We'll link it. We'll find a way to link it. <laughs> is um, uh, so that, that that question came from a listener, didn't it? The thing about when something you like gets kind of yes, cancelled or
0: I'll read it actually. This is from uh, uh, my good friend Lisa. Um, so this is from a while ago actually. Um. So she put, I'm enjoying podcast. I also had a thought on a possible discussion. They might not work. Uh, what about something about when things that brought you joy end up being seen through a different lens? Example, JK Rowling, Turf Wars, music of Michael Jackson, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, okay. um, yeah, the other subject didn't come from a listener, um, but came from the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Um, well, it came, so, from came from you. Well... Yeah, okay, okay, But because of those guys um, So a couple of weeks ago I watched a documentary with my dad about the Dalai Lama And Desmond Tutu and about their Kind of their friendship as on BBC4 I think it's still up there on iPlayer if you're interested in watching it um, Really really beautiful Show about these two kind of beautiful human beings Both of whom have faced loads Of adversity in their life, faced loads of Hardship uh, in different ways But both of whom have This kind of shining light, this kind of joyful Bubbly kind of you know they laugh a lot they were they were holding hands for the whole thing because they were just so happy to be in each other's company you know that kind of thing and the interviewer at one point asked them about you know their how do you how do you maintain that level of kind of happiness and joy having gone through all that you've gone through um and the answer, which I can't remember who said it, but they certainly both agreed with it, was that seeking happiness as an end in its own right is almost something that's kind of doomed to failure because you'll never be happy enough you'll always find something to be unhappy about and a much better thing to pursue is seeking opportunities to exercise compassion and that happiness and joyfulness are a byproduct of compassion and i wanted to talk about that a little bit because that's certainly an idea that i've heard before but the the way which it was delivered in this document just had a real kind of a, it's it's, it's st- stuck with me. It's been kind of playing on my mind for the past few weeks. And certainly in my work, there's been moments where I felt quite anxious about a situation um or stressed or whatever. And then that little thought that could this be reframed as an opportunity to practice compassion and what might that look like um has been quite important. So it is, I think it is kind of linked because we have certainly with the JK Rowling thing and Graham Linehan and people like that, mm-hmm people who are kind of doing the opposite of practicing compassion, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're practicing some kind of intellectual righteousness. You know, Mm -hmm. I I want to be correct about this. I want to be right. And they've, they're more obsessed with being right in terms of, you know, their definition of what's a woman and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. than they are with the lived experience of transgender people. And, and in a sense, who gives a shit whether you're right or wrong morally intellectually whatever it's more important that you look into the eyes of people who are hurting and suffering and practice compassion that's more important than righteousness
0: it's really sad you know is it like it yeah i don't know where we want to start or go initially i just i just know what just came up for me just then when you'd say that was um the stuff that i see jk rowling spouting or sharing is really upsetting and gets me angry and upset but then i see like on twitter or, or anywhere else like lifelong harry potter fans who who are trans people who have got so much out of consuming those stories and the narratives that those stories have helped them with and helped them with self-acceptance and belonging mm-hmm. and they've got so much out of it and then the creator of that feels like is actively hurting them yeah. And they're then having to turn around and say, I don't know that I can read these books anymore or everything I've built my like, self-acceptance and journey on now feels very fragile and broken.
1: Yeah, and, yeah.
0: Like how difficult that is to see and hear that that's what people are experiencing. And how is someone like J.K. Rowling missing that? Like have you like you just said, that? have your opinion about something, whether it's scientific in nature or what? I don't, I mean, I've got, challenges to all of that but like i just you're missing yeah the humans and yeah. your compassionate approach which is what you where you hope i presume where you came up with the idea of harry potter from the stories are about compassion and yeah. loss and then getting a sense of belonging and being isolated and finding your i know tribe can feel like a problematic word for people sorry but like finding your tribe yeah. uh, and your people um yeah and all the like illusions and metaphors that kind of come with this like wizarding world and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I have my own version of all of that. I love the Harry Potter books. I got a lot out of them. I love the movies. I love going to uh, theme parks in America where there's like, Harry Potter worlds. And I'll, I think I will, I hope, I can still enjoy some of that. Yeah. But there is something that feels really like, should I? I'm, I question it. Should I yeah. enjoy that? Should I? I don't think I'll read them again. Um I I dunno, it's hard when her name is now attached to something and uh, to separate that out from the art, I think it is possible. And I can talk about like Michael Jackson in a bit maybe with something related to that. But I think yeah. this because it's so uh relevant now and pertinent now. Yeah. It's yeah. difficult. And I know I don't know if you have been following everything that she's been sharing and, and stuff recently, but earlier this week she slipped into Sharing or alluding to something homophobic as well as transphobic.
1: Really, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, so there was. I might get some of the facts of this wrong, but like in summary, there was a police force in Wales, I think, who changed some of the blue lights on top of their police cars to rainbow lights in the specific area um, for where there was a homophobic attack and murder. I think. I think someone was brutally murdered. For being gay, so the police, like in solidarity and support, changed some of their lights of so the police cars in the to rainbow lights, and they tweeted about it. And then J.K. Rowling's like done something where it looks like she's kind of pulling someone up on their grammar or the wrong use of a word, mm. um, and but actually, what she's done is shared this thing that then looks like um, oh, this is like virtue signaling, and it, right, right. it just it just verges into this other space that is. I say all this space, it's alongside kind of transphobia. It's just this whole, you know, it's just really sad and like what you're actively damaging people and I don't know if she knows that. She must know it. But then get so many loud voices to validate what she's doing. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's something about like the 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 lure of being correct of being right of winning an argument is so strong that it can almost overwhelm your compa- your capacity for compassion well, that costs. You know? yeah the cost of yeah that. there's a bit like um you know jordan peterson have you come across that guy yeah he so he he kind of came on the scene or so let's say he came onto my horizon i i kind of came across him i don't know maybe five or six years ago i guess something like that and he was this kind of interesting kind of slightly provocative um, academic lecturer from Canada who said some things that i didn't agree with and said some things that i did agree with but it's kind of like you know it's kind of interesting and worth worth listening to and then gradually he's just become more he's just sunk into this right wing borderline conspiracy theory mm-hmm. um, mean meanness you know like and and he had a similar thing when when Justin Trudeau banned conversion therapy in Canada he tweeted about it calling it uh kind of moral grandstanding i think um and no no regard for the lives of people who have been ruined by conversion therapy just animosity towards you know i guess what he would see as the liberal elite um and this i think there is there's something really attractive about um just being right and winning an argument um which which switches off your facility for compassion it's a same uh, yeah I, I yeah the labor party like over the past few years has become numb to anti-semitism yeah because people were so caught up with wanting to defend jeremy corbyn that the same people who say like, hey, look, if the majority of black people are telling you you're doing something racist, maybe it's worth listening and you might be doing something racist. We're being told by a majority of Jewish people that they were doing something anti-Semitic and they were going, no, we're not. Because um, you get caught up in that, like like I say, that wanting to be right, wanting to That's a argument. good analogy, you know, because I think that's, yeah,
0: maybe similar to like so many trans people are trying to say to JK Rowling, this is what's happening. And still just no, no, no. Yeah, Um, I think it's interesting, isn't it? That like, if you took that anti-Semitic issue for the Labour Party of um, it, it starts off at a place of um, not—I don't know—like not being aware of it or ignoring it, and then stridently into "it's not a problem, it's not here." Yeah, and and how quickly that happens. But yeah, just—I guess I don't know, like. It's it's really tricky stuff, and I did and do to some respect still get some joy out of like Harry Potter. Stuff. I I tend to watch the movies of Harry Potter like at least every year. Really, I go back and rewatch them. I love a lot of the kind of yeah magic of them. They feel a bit Christmassy to me, and um, yeah,
1: they are a bit Christmassy. I can
0: see that. Yeah, and I and I do love all of that. And I'm trying to separate out the kind of the creator now, and she's still creating in that world. There's still like, like fantastic beasts films coming out yeah, that she's yeah. writing. Yeah. I feel way more torn about going to watch that, like a new film that she's writing yeah. than yeah. historical ones.
1: Well, cause it's almost like she's so obsessed with this trans argument based on what we see on Twitter it feels like stuff that you know. When she was writing Harry Potter, she probably wasn't even thinking about the trans argument, you know. Yeah. So it's not, it wouldn't be there. But I don't know. Like, obviously, Fantastic Beast isn't going to be some kind of transphobic, you no. know, sermon. You know what I mean? It's not like she's going to funnel the, her transphobia into that. But it's part of who she is now. She's she's adopted this thing as part of herself. It's part of her and. It does kind of feel like it taints whatever she comes up with now.
0: Well, you say, I think it'll be in there. I think if it's part of her and part of what she thinks, and is so strident about it, I, I think it will be in there. How can it not be in like what yeah. she writes? Yeah, in some kind of metaphorical or you yeah. know some kind of analogy. And I, I just think there will be something in there. Yeah, um, and there already is. I don't know. I'd like, I'm like, I'm just trying to think of the first two like Fantastic Beast films now, but there's a lot of Maybe there always is in the Wizarding World, sector like this, uh, othering of people. Uh, yeah, but it's normally that story is normally about how to stop that othering. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, maybe these new ones will be uh, more
1: favorable to the villains. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, it's messy. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I feel like I'm trying to think because Harry Potter is something that like. I read the books when I was a kid and I I enjoyed them Um, and I've seen the movies and I enjoyed some of them. Um, But it's not like I'm not like a massive Harry Potter fan. So if like the idea that like I'll never get to watch Harry Potter again, I kind of feel like, you know, okay, fine. I've seen them. I enjoy them, whatever. And I'm just trying to think what it would be in my life. What's the thing that would be like if this got ruined that would really suck. Do you know what I mean? Like what's the thing that I love that I really do love more than I love Harry Potter <laughs> and how I would feel like, I don't know if it turned out that like maybe if it turned out that Stan Lee was an anti-Semite, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like for, if, if Spider-Man was ruined, that yeah. would really suck for me. Um,
0: yeah, it's hard. But then that's be- different
1: as well. Cause Spider-Man's got, you know, 60 years of history with different authors, artists, whatever. And it doesn't just belong to one person. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny. I'm, um, a governor for a primary school and I went to visit the primary school in the last few weeks and it was world book day and their theme for the day was Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And they said like, Oh, if you want to come in and I have got Harry Potter stuff. So I put on like a Hufflepuff hoodie mm-hmm. and I've got a wand that I got from like a theme park. I've got trainers that are like Harry Potter trainers. I've got a scarf. I put all this stuff on. Yeah. I've got all of this Harry Potter merch. Um, and, I don't know that I'll get any more, but like, yeah, yeah. so. uh, and it's not, I do love, I know, I do love the Harry Potter world, but like, it's not quite on the level of, I don't know, for me, like Marvel or Star Wars or Jurassic Park kind of level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But if those
0: things like got, I was trying to think of like, what if George Lucas, but they are different because they're, they're more like shared universes, aren't they?
1: Yeah. And there is something, I think there's something about time as well, which like, i mean you name an artist a philosopher a poet whatever it uh, you know from like let's say over 60 years ago and you know you do a little bit of digging and you find out that oh fuck they supported nazis <laughs> do you know what i mean like a yeah. um like i don't know whatever i know picasso was a pretty horrible guy and mm. i think heidegger literally did support nazis but because of, there's enough time past there's a, you can kind of separate the artist from their art. Um, and, and it doesn't feel quite as raw in the same, like I've got a Picasso not obviously I don't have a Picasso hanging on the wall, but I've got a copy of a Picasso hanging on my wall that I really love. And it speaks to me. I bought it because it said something to me, you know, on like a, some kind of spiritual level, it was meaningful to me. And, um, and the fact that it turns out Picasso was a bit of a piece of shit doesn't stop that piece of art from speaking to me. But if Picasso was being a piece of shit today, I wouldn't buy his art because it's too close.
0: It's so interesting. And is is it about recency and if someone is alive and still creating?
1: um, Well, let's say if their victims are still alive. Do you know what I mean? Like the people who they've hurt. um, Yeah, I because
0: I think the other obvious example is Michael Jackson with this. Yes. Um, and I love Michael Jackson's music. Mm-hmm. And I think I do separate out relatively easily the person and what we know and things he did to hurt people and abuse um the art but it is i mean even say that out loud it feels quite probably it feels difficult Um, yeah yeah i do love his music and that being a separate thing but it came from someone who was hurting people and abusing people at the time as well like he created some of his music at the time of hurting people well
1: and what about r kelly like yeah uh, uh, when r kelly is playing on the radio now if i go into a shop and i hear r kelly playing i have a reaction which is like Really, guys, You're, he, he, yeah. this is the choice you've made. You're going to play this, knowing what he's done, knowing who he is. Yeah. I don't have that in the same way with Michael Jackson. Weirdly, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure why. Because Michael Jackson wasn't that long ago. Um, they were. They were. They were both being horrible sexual predators at the same time. Probably. Is he,
0: but is that because he's
1: dead? Is it because he's dead? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it is because he's dead. I
0: don't.
1: I maybe. Don't know. Maybe it's because. Maybe there's something about. Michael Jackson's music feels like we own it more than like Michael Jackson's music is such an, like this iconic, and you could say, I guess the same thing about Harry Potter. It's bigger than him. So much bigger than him. Like it's, it's been, you know, he's a king of pop, you know, like everybody around the world knows Michael Jackson and his music. Um, Whereas R. Kelly, okay. We lose, I believe I can fly and (laughs) the remix to ignition. (laughs) that one's that's the more important one (laughs) but but like I mean I guess there are diehard well I know there are diehard R. Kelly fans but they don't have the same level of cultural importance (laughs) I love you Tim I love that they're the (laughs) two I
0: Believe I Can Fly and the remix to Ignition. Yeah, Um, the world can live without that. I can happily live without I Believe I Can Fly. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Because I just think it's nonsense. Um, Yeah. But the remix to Ignition, I do like. It's a banger. It is a banger. But Michael Jackson music, it it is iconic. And I do still like I was, yeah, I had a playlist the other day, like I was saying to you earlier, when I was on a run and it, it was... I was like kind of lip syncing along to some of it as I was running. Like, I just, I, I love it. I love the music. I love some of the songs and yeah. Is it cause he's no, so I still get joy from that music. Um, and maybe that joy of that music is because I don't know like the first time I'd have consumed or heard that music is related to a specific moment or time. And it's not like I'm freshly in the world now experiencing his music, knowing the whole context of who he is. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were only just being introduced to Harry Potter or Michael Jackson music now, given the knowledge of who the creators are, you, yeah you might not internalize it and experience it in the same way.
1: That's right, that's right. Would you love it quite as much? Pro- probably not.
0: Yeah, fuck those guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I say, it's it is I do feel slightly I I struggle to kind of have this conversation in one way because I don't think, I can't think off the top of my head of when that experience has affected me Mm -hmm. either on the side of being the discriminated against person, you know, I've never, I've not been the abuse of the the, the victim of abuse or, you know, being white, straight Christian guy, you know, tend not to have many hate groups out there after me. Um, but also in terms of, I don't think I've had like something that's so meaningful and close to my heart, right? Which has lost it, which which has been wrecked by that. Do you know what I mean? I can't think. I mean, it's, it's maybe to an extent the Labour Party. Like I was a member of the Labour Party, same as that. and then when it when it fell down its kind of hole of anti semitism, I left. Um, but it didn't feel like a gut wrenching decision. It felt like. It, 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 you know it didn't keep me up at night the,
0: yeah I guess the, I was going to say the more evocative one for me but well, probably is JK Rowling at the moment maybe Michael Jackson's well just in terms of suffering some level of abuse as a child I can relate to in terms of uh, what Michael Jackson's done to other people sadly um, but then JK Rowling I'm not trans but I feel like she's directly hurting a community which I'm a part of yeah, um, and I think experiences of gay people and trans people are different experiences and everyone has their own individual experiences but we are of the same community and have some shared narratives and experiences um, especially around emotional hurt and pain I guess yeah. the thing that resonates a lot for me is hearing the language not just the JK Rowling uses or shares but what Her sharing and saying things then inspires or evokes other people to share and say, and headlines and stuff feels so reminiscent to me of growing up in a culture where there were those same uh, phrases and statements and language and headlines used about being gay. Yeah, Um, yeah. So this room, as soon as I see it, it rewinds my brain thirty years back to this not exact same spirit, but the similar experiences of like, God, this is how we spoke about gay people. And we're now doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. Playing yeah.
0: out the same process.
1: Yeah.
0: um, And yeah, I guess 30 years ago, someone in J.K. Rowland's position, there were prominent people who were homophobic. Yeah. And would say it's a deviancy and we shouldn't, there are still people saying we shouldn't talk about, sexuality in schools. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So it's still, yeah, I guess it's a very evocative place yeah. for me directly.
1: Yeah. Um, and you, you actually, you've just reminded me, I watched this brilliant movie on the Disney Plus a uh, couple of days ago called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, and Tammy Faye Baker was an American televangelist. Um, so it's a true story. It's based on a documentary that they've made into a drama. Um, and she was part of this, american televangelist movement which kind of got in bed with the right wing of politics and that kind of stuff um but she there's and you can see the tape of it on youtube it's very very powerful she she had mental health problems of her own and that kind of stuff and there was a moment where she pushed back against her the culture that she was in by inviting a gay man with aids to come and be on her show and to share his story, not in order to win a debate, not in order to convert him or tell him why he was wrong or whatever, but just to treat him like a human being. And she talks to this guy who's coming in through television. You know, he's not there in the room with her, but he, she's talking to this TV set with him on it. And she ends up crying because she's so moved by his story. And it ends with this kind of message of like, um, you know, God, God loves us all. And we as Christians are called to be loving to people who are discriminated against or persecuted against or whatever. That's the whole point of Christianity. And it's this powerful, powerful, powerful moment. And the movie captures it so well. But like I say, you can see the real clip on YouTube and it comes back again to this thing where like the culture that she was in this kind of the religious right 700 club kind of people in America and Pat Robertson and all those guys where absolutely we must be right we must win the argument you know we must explain why these things are wrong and it's it's all like cerebral it's like intellectual like we will argue our way until we've proven to the world that we're right and she's the one person in this movement who's gone Shall we just let's just listen to someone shall we and not try to prove them to them that we're right and she you know going back to what we we're saying earlier on moves from a place of Moral righteousness you know in in air quotes um to compassion mm. she realized that compassion was more important than being right um and as a byproduct of that realized that she wasn't right <laughs> you know realized that she was wrong, but that's neither here nor there almost the point is she looked into the eyes of the victim rather than um yeah trying try to win an argument well, um the eyes
0: of yeah where, where at what point do people lose that empathy that yeah. ability to look in someone else's yeah look at someone else's experience and hear it and understand it
1: yeah it. yeah <sighs> and yeah it is it's really sad um although it does also i mean the brilliant thing about that movie and about that real life situation as well is that it shows that there is hope actually even for those people who appear to have lost that sense of compassion there is hope that, you know, that compassion can be rediscovered. So
0: Um, we can have hope that where these Fantastic beast movies are going to end up is J.K. Rowling all of a sudden has a wave of empathy and understanding and compassion and Mm -hmm. seems to find a lot of joy just by finding some compassion for people. And writes the last movie as a great big allegory, um, yeah. And, you know, there's, like, transphobe, not transphobe, sorry, pro, like, uh, there's just, like, trans relationships, trans characters, gay yeah. people, like, it's just everyone, everything, everywhere, accepted and validated.
1: That's, we can hope for that, Dan. Um I wouldn't, I'm I excited wouldn't. excited by the idea. I wouldn't want to put money on it. <laughs> no. So we can certainly hope for it.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But it's funny, though, even just, like, that thought of the idea got me very energized, Then for a second. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But there's something you said something just now which I thought was really beautiful. Um, you talked about how trans people are part of your community, yeah. um, and we all know that there are there is a movement of there's the LGB movement, isn't there? Yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's gay, lesbian, bisexual people who have chosen to exclude trans people from their community, um, and I think it's really beautiful that actually kind of like that documentary with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, you know, completely different experiences of persecution, oppression, and that kind of stuff. But the sense of like brotherhood, you know, we're, we're brothers because we've experienced persecution and oppression and so on. Yeah. And what was beautiful about you saying that was like, again, it's this thing about like, it's compassion. It's like, it's, it's stopping and listening and relating. And, you know, I I would love for, somebody like JK Rowling to just spend some time with them, um, some transgender people, not on a podcast to win a debate with them, not to have an argument with them and explain why she's right. But just to hear the stories of like, look, when you tweeted this, this happened to me. Yeah. When you tweeted this, it validated this person who then attacked me. Yeah. When you tweeted this, it made me feel this way. And I don't, I like, I'm not interested in like a debate. I don't want to, I don't, I whatever you believe, I don't care about <clears throat> i just want you to see that you're you're fucking me up with what you're saying
0: you yeah you're bolstering nastier people yeah with cruel intentions yeah um yeah and empowering them and like legitimizing them targeting and yeah being cruel yeah Um, and yeah you're you're actively sapping compassion out of the world
1: that's right that's right
0: rather than finding it um but yeah, no, I very much see trans, I, I don't think there is LGB without the T, I don't think that's a thing, you know, I, I know there are a cohort of people who exclude that, uh, the T and the trans yeah. community, but like, it's very much, it's a community, and I mean, without going to kind of too much into that, I think when, when I've seen or experienced like homophobia, I don't it's never just about sexuality. There's a lot of gender involved in that and what people think boys or men should or shouldn't be doing, whether it's in terms of sex or otherwise. Like it's, so I think it's all wrapped up. Um, and yes, like I said earlier, like separate experiences of uh, gay people and of trans people, but the shared narrative and experience and yeah, the need for compassion and understanding. And like I said, that, that, the things people say that are nasty now, I feel, were very, very similar to what was being said before about gay people um, and demonising people. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's really sad. Um, it does. I, I wasn't sure about the link between the two things we were thinking about talking about, but like, as you kind of just brought that in again, there that um, the documentary you were watching, I think it very much does fit there, doesn't it? That because what we're talking about really is creators who seem to have lost their way of, they they came from a place of compassion, whether it's writing music or stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fundamentally about compassion and human beings and understanding and, and And so then like somewhere losing that and yeah, more about being right. And I wonder, I don't know that I care that much, but I wonder um, how much joy jk Rowling is having on a daily basis at the moment
1: when, who, who knows yeah like, who
0: knows? Is, does this bring her joy like do be, and would listening to people hearing their experience seeing people and having compassion for people potentially make her life better and then like everyone else yeah. as well
1: yeah 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 absolutely yeah i, d- I definitely don't as somebody who you know has often got sucked into arguments with people online with strangers online um however right I feel like I am, those things never bring me joy that mm. I never feel fulfilled by an argument with a stranger on the internet, yeah. so when you're spending all of your time on Twitter pushing an agenda, defending it, you know getting into arguments. And I think this is probably true of people who push agendas that I agree with as well, you know, people who I'm on the same side of. And and actually, this comes back to what I was saying just now about how I just post silly cat things on Twitter. Yeah. Because I think when your whole thing is pushing an agenda, I feel like, I don't know, just relax a bit, man. We've only got this one life. That's just so enjoy it a little bit more.
0: I guess um, I just want to share something. But um, it's really funny you say that. So yesterday, no, well, this week... Um, I got an email from 7Trent Water, who are my water supplier. And the email was, um, come and burn some calories off at our premises. And they were like advocating for like some 10K runs or fun runs or whatever else. And like, you can have fun and burn calories off. And then they listed the different runs and how many calories you would burn off for having a run at like this site where Seven Trent Water... And Mm -hmm. I got into a whole thing that day. I got in touch with Seven Trent Water. I was tweeting about them. I was emailing them, chatting to them. I spoke to six different people from Seven Trent Water to say this is irresponsible messaging like from the point of view of someone who's in recovery from an eating disorder but also if you're not it's not very responsible messaging to say calories are things that just need burning off and then yeah yeah so in a lot of ways i'm glad that i went and did this i I stuck up for something i believe in and found my voice and actually in the end had a nice resolution with somebody and they're going to review their where they get their kind of marketing stuff from and like review their future <clears> content <throat> and not have to. anyway. Having said all that, well I'm glad I did it. None of that was fun. None of that brought me joy doing it. Like yeah. it wasn't while well, I think it was like the right thing to do, like that kind of strident doing something. Yeah. Um I wasn't really having compassion for I don't know that I needed to, but like I wasn't having any compassion for Seven Tram water. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah All like, or the, the people that I was talking to particularly.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the because ba- obviously like what I don't want to advocate is like a kind of quietism where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, just, just be happy. Only say happy things. Don't get into arguments with people because obviously that, you know, standing up for justice and oppressed people and that kind of stuff is, is the the greatest thing a person can do. That is compassion. But it's, it's when it's rooted in compassion rather than a sense of yeah. moral superiority or righteousness. So there's like seeing the victims of the Ukraine war, seeing the victims of anti semitism or transphobia or whatever, and your heart breaking for them and wanting to do something. That's a thing. And that I think probably is a joyful thing, even though it's a painful thing often and, you know, makes you cry, you know, but it, it is a joyful thing because you're fulfilling your humanity. But when it's just a kind of like, um, fuck this internet stranger, I'm (laughs) going to show him what a piece of shit he is. And at that point you're just hurting yourself, you know, you're just damaging yourself. Yeah, I was thinking just now while you were talking. Um, the guy who I studied for my doctorate, Rene Girard, he has this whole theory about the Jesus story, which which just really speaks to me. It really makes sense to me. And he says the the thing about the figure of Jesus dying on the cross, the reason why that's such an important moment in history, is it's a moment where in which humanity sees the victim of our violence essentially. So. It's quite, he interprets it in quite a non religious way, in a sense. So he, he basically says, you know, the way in which the, the gospel stories frame Jesus is as a good and as innocent person who cared for people, who was the victim of human, humanity's hatred and violence, and ultimately victim to the point where he was tortured and, and crucified. And the thing that makes it a moment which saves people isn't some great supernatural thing that now you can get into heaven, whereas before you couldn't, the salvation comes from looking at the victim and going, oh, fuck, what have we done? What have we done? Look at us, you know, looking down at your hands and realizing you're holding the hammer and the nail and like, shit, we need to change. We can't live like this anymore. We can't live like, we can't do this to people anymore. And that's the salvation. That's why the Jesus story thing is so important in his mind. And there's something about the repercussions that, you know, the echoes that that has through history of seeing the victim is a saving moment, like a transform. I don't mean that in a religious way. I mean it like mm-hmm. it saves us, you know, the moment where we see the person who's been broken, beaten up, despised, um, you know, corrupted by, by humanity's violence. That's the moment where we can be transformed. And that's what JK Rowling needs to do. She needs to see the victim. You know, she needs to see what her words are doing to people um and that's what fucking r kelly needs to do you know he needs to something needs to break his heart and show him like look at what you've done to these women how could you do this to people and that's where people get redeemed when they see that but when they double down you know they go on tv shows and say this is my life i'm fighting for like r kelly you know just i just you know i'm I'm right and i will prove to the world that i'm right you're you're closing the door to redemption you're closing the door to your own healing as a human being because you're just obsessed with being right right
0: isn't it that kind of being and that's jk rowling's whole thing at the moment isn't yeah like trans women in sport what one small part of something about being trans you know that isn't most trans people's experience is not being in worldwide sports events yeah it's living or
1: trying to live and be accepted that's right that's right and also what what does JK Rowling know about sport? She's not on the Olympics committee. This isn't something that she has any expertise in. Yeah. What, like it's not, it's not about trans people in sport. It's about transphobia. Yeah, exactly. And, and the fact that they're in sports happens to be a neat, a, a neat vehicle for it. Yeah. But why would JK Rowling be talking about that? Do you know what I mean? She has no expertise. Because she's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And she
0: will be right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I wonder what what she is seeking. You know, we were talking about like, if you seek joy and happiness, you're kind of, um, it's not going to end well, really. And it's that kind of, let's seek compassion or forgive compassion, share compassion, and you can kind of accidentally end up in joy uh, in a lovely way. But I wonder what she is seeking through this. Like, is uh, is there any element of joy that she gets? Could she get, I don't know.
1: I think it's, it's almost like an addiction. Yeah. It's like when you go and I say, like I say, as somebody who I've gone down that rabbit hole myself, not specifically about transgender issues, but getting into arguments with strangers online or whatever. And it becomes this addictive thing. I have to get my, the, the, the dopamine rush from being right, you know, from, from winning this argument. Um, Yeah.
0: I have definitely got a lot of experiences of the needing to be right about something yeah, and um, I think I can still find myself in those situations, but like a lot less than I used. I used to just like, I used to really, and not that long ago, pull up people's like grammar and spelling and stuff like that.
1: Like, the same here, I'm yeah. Write
0: about this apostrophe, and I'll make a point. I don't yeah. give a crap. I don't care
1: exactly. And I you're don't... like, I told, I told him, I told that neo nazi he forgot <laughs> to put an apostrophe, and yeah. I showed him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it as well. I just don't
0: care, like, yeah. and yeah i get it's funny, I think the idea of tr- trying to find compassion for people in the world, considering what we both do for a job as well yeah, yeah. and uh how we land in that and um yeah finding compassion for the people and I know when we get to kind of soon like our joy stories for the month like some some parts of that for me will be about that kind of being there for somebody or finding some compassion or seeing something from someone else's point of view and helping with that. Yeah. And that kind of, I guess that hit of joy that you can kind of get from like, Oh, what a lovely, that's just lovely that that's happened. Now yeah, I feel yeah. it's nourished me in some way. Yeah. Um I guess the only other like potential challenge to that I'd throw in is I do <clears throat> Do I actively seek joy? I book things in throughout my year that I know I'm going to enjoy. Of course, yeah. You know, so theatre trips, I was at like UK Drag Race Live last night, which brought me a lot of joy. I've got like yeah. theatre trips, I've got different like fun runs and holidays planned. And I know there were like things that will bring me joy. So, or well, I hope they will. Yeah. So I do like seek that and book it in. But I guess that like, yeah, on a daily human level, I don't, Generally, find myself a minute by minute thinking, right, where where will I find joy now? Where's my next bit of joy?
1: That's right, that's right. Well, and I mean, I think, I think I probably do do that sometimes, depending on the state of my mental health and the state of where I am. I go through like, you know, if I'm if I'm in a particularly bad place with anxiety, I'll often act in a way that I kind of know is probably quite unhealthy and will actually only fuel the anxiety because I'm just kind of seeking an escape from. Mm the feeling of anxiety. So rather than seeking opportunities to exercise compassion, I seek things that give me instant pleasure. Do you know what I mean? Like just coming home and watching TV and watching TV until I go to bed, you know, like that, that kind of stuff, which I know is like, it's fine. It's not awful, but it's not particularly healthy. You know, it's not, it's not good for my mind. Um, but the, but I think that the privilege that you and I have is being in jobs, which present us with opportunities for compassion all the time. We don't, neither of us need to look too far. Um, I had, uh, I won't go into details cause it was quite recent and I don't want to give anything away, but uh, I was recently on call at the hospital and I got a call to a patient who um, was on life support and they were about to pull the life support and they wanted me to go and be there with his wife while they pulled the life support. And, my initial reaction to that was like, just panic. Like, what a horrible, horrible situation. What can I possibly do or say to comfort somebody in that position? Um what am I about to see? Do you know what I mean? Like I've, I haven't seen it. I hadn't until that moment seen anybody die before, you know, like what, what's that going to be like? And is it going to be horrible and just, you know, all those kinds of thoughts. And then again, this thought popped into my head of, opportunity to exercise compassion this is this is an opportunity for me to support somebody in probably the most difficult thing they'll ever have to do in their lives um and i was at the hospital for a really long time well into the night you know past midnight um with all of this going on um and i left feeling quite shaken by it because it was a difficult thing to do but also Really peaceful about the fact that I did my job really well, I think, and I was compassionate and I was, you know, exactly the right level of compassionate. And I helped somebody by being there. And the person who I was there to help kept on saying, I'm so glad you're here. I wouldn't want to do this alone. And It was, like I say, really horrible. It was a thing that if I was just purely seeking pleasure and happiness in my own fulfillment, I would have run a mile from, because this is a difficult thing. But actually reframing it as an opportunity to practice compassion gave me a sense of meaning, identity, happiness. It gave me a sense of happiness. Um, And I'm I'm glad I was there to support those people going through that situation.
0: Um, I'm really glad that... um... People like that have you there to um, to offer that. I think that's it's really lovely.
1: Thanks, man. But but like I say, I'm I'm really glad that I have a job that pushes me in those directions mm. because like like all of us, I assume you know, unless you know, we've got listeners who are enlightened. Um, I left to my own devices will just pursue short term pleasure, which won't make me happy. But I have a job which says go fucking do this thing.
0: Well, sometimes (laughs) sometimes chasing the dragon is okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. Sometimes having a hobnob, is that what it was? Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right, that's Um, right. (laughs) We don't need to go into the euphemism. We are talking about a biscuit, it is a biscuit. These things are okay. Yeah, yeah, completely. And that's the, um, I'm conscious of time, and we could start a whole other conversation about this, but we've talked about it before, that compassion intelligent compassion is read and there there's an there's a necessity to look after yourself as well yeah. you know that if if i was just running from one dying person to another i would burn out you know yeah, and i wouldn't be there to help anybody um so being compassionate also involves looking after yourself and sometimes just watching tv for an evening or having a hobnob or whatever <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are wise words to
1: Uh, thanks very much i can't believe we've ruined hobnobs
0: you are wisdomous Um,
1: (laughs) you are wisdomous you are the most wisdom
0: you're way more wisdomous Um, you're
1: you're the wisdomest (laughs) (laughs) um
0: okay so to segue beautifully into a nice non-rip-off bit of joy story music oh yeah uh, Um, what is your joy story of the
1: last month? Eh? Um, so my so in on the last episode that we did together, you talked about uh, Schitt's Creek, um, and I said I still haven't gotten around to seeing it, and I think you lightly reprimanded me for not having seen it yet, um, and because through through moving, I had some time off work, um, so, excuse me, and I had my iPad, so while I was Packing things up, preparing to move and that kind of stuff. I watched Shit's Creek on my iPad and worked my way through the whole thing in, I would say, maybe two weeks. And I really, really loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. It gave me so much happiness. Um, And the thing in particular that I want to draw attention to, and I texted you about this, um, was the relationship between um, David and what's David's partner? Remind me, Patrick. Um, I was showing you it on my jumper there. Yeah, 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 yeah. For for listeners, um, Dan has a t-shirt with a, a jumper with all of the names of the characters in the show. Um, and I I grew up homophobic. Like it's important to say that. Like you I grew motherfucker. up, motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, I I grew up being taught that being gay was a sin. That there was something wrong with people who were gay. And um certainly started on that road of wanting to be right rather than wanting to be compassionate and getting into arguments about why being gay was wrong and all that kind of thing. Um, I, Schitt's Creek wasn't a conversion experience for me because I've, you know, I've, I've mo- I moved past that quite a long time ago. But what was really profound for me was seeing the relationship between David and Patrick and thinking, I am jealous of them. I want that. I want a relationship that's got that much love in it. Um, And I've had that before in other movies and like, you know, with with heterosexual relationships, you know, like a classic rom-com kind of thing. But in this instance, I was watching two gay men who loved each other so much and thinking they have something that I yearn for as a single guy. You know, I really want that. And it's beautiful. I really it's not. So I guess what I'm trying to say is. The transition wasn't just from a place of like. I think being gay is bad to now, I think being gay is okay. It's more than that. It's like this gay couple has something which I don't have like they 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 are offering the world something they're creating something they they're, they're they're a gift to the world. It's not just a kind of like let's tolerate them. It's like if you if you don't accept them, you're missing out there's that there's beauty that you're depriving yourself of through your homophobia, or let's say your transphobia to go back to the conversation that we've been having. Um, And so that was a really joyful moment for me was like, not just seeing a gay couple on TV and being cool with it, which has been the case for, you know, as long as I've been an adult, basically, but more like seeing a gay couple on TV and thinking, I want to be their friends. I want to hang out with them. I want the kind of love that they have for each other in my life. And, Seeing that it was an an active, it was a positive, as a gift, not just a neutral thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, so that was my joy story. So beautiful. Um, so I, I was really hoping I'd make you cry. Yeah, I, I think yeah, you close. saw my face when you were talking. <laughs> like I was virtually crying.
0: Um, I didn't quite get tears. I got very teary eyed actually, um, because. <laughs> Something in what you were saying there, um I just I do I want to challenge you. Um there's David is pansexual, not gay, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you're you're quite right. Yeah, yeah, my bad. That's all.
1: But they have a gay relationship, is that right to say? Yes, <laughs> so right say it's so gay, gay.
0: It's so gay.
1: Um I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, is that wrong? Is that genuinely hand on heart? Yeah. is that a fair thing to say? Is that the right yeah, way to describe yeah, the yeah,
0: relationship? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm fine with <laughs> that. It's such a gay relationship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not how you were saying this. No, no. <laughs> so I feel like I'm like putting something on what you're saying, but isn't that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think... So shit's Creek is something that brings me so... And I only watched it for the first time last year, and um, we're already... Well, I am already it's either my fifth or sixth time through the whole lot already. And I think it's going to be on a forever cycle for me. And a big part of that is Patrick and David's relationship. And yeah, like you said, it isn't just here's a gay couple or two men in a relationship or whatever it is that is um, acceptable and okay. And everyone's all right with it. It is, there's an active like humor, romance, love, in what they've got in this connection mm. is so beautifully written and the whole world of Shits Creek has no homoph- homophobia doesn't exist in Shits Creek and it's a yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing it's not because they didn't want to tackle issues it's just a beautiful thing yeah um and but equally while she we was talking that I think I am I envious of there I mean I love the relationship I have with my husband it's a beautiful thing and I um but also I can watch David and Patrick and just get so much joy out of what they have. Mm. And also Alexis and Ted's relationship um, in Schitt's Creek brings me a lot of, there's something that's so well written in that show yeah, about yeah. connections and relationships Yeah, that is so joyful. And, quite my joy. So could quite easily be you telling me before this podcast, I'm during it about you watching Shit's Creek and the joy that it gives you. Cause yeah, it's just makes me so happy. Cause, um, I do love it so much. And in the last month, I, yeah, we finished another rewatch of it and yeah, every time David and Patrick are on screen and the way they rib each other and take the piss out of each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah. love each other is just amazing. Um, I fucking love it. I kind of want that to be my joy story now, but it um it, You can have two. It's funny though, like if you were to ask me what my joy story was this month, um I would be saying it's actually I think a series of connections and moments rather than like a thing I can hold because, on to particularly. Yeah. And because I had a really difficult week or two. I'm, I guess that moving house—I don't want to go into everything about this—but moving house also means changing my routine, especially mm-hmm. around like exercises and classes I'm in, and there's a lot of difficulty in that, but also some joy and flexibility and new things I'm finding. Tomorrow I'm going for a taster session uh, for open water swimming, and I've got a kayaking session coming up soon that I'm going to. So wow! Gonna, wow! Yeah, some like some new new things. Um, actually, just need to talk about that. Like that's bringing me joy. These new things that I'll be trying out. Um, but actually, the last month or two, it's been about really small, but poignant and big moments of connection with people. Mm. Um, and that has been with various people. Some of that's been with you, Tim, through like uh, messaging now and again. It, some yeah. of it has been through with my friend Phil and my friend Tom, my husband, Greg, with my dog, Norma. And then, especially as well at work in the last few weeks, well, the last week especially, actually, um, I know I, I think we spoke about a couple of months ago on here that I'd got these new jobs. I've since given one of those jobs up. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, that I was doing one day a week. It was my four day a week job was proving very demanding and. Putting that job down, picking the other one up, putting that down, picking the yeah, one up again yeah. each week was a real challenge. So I've increasing my hours to full time in this one job. And what I've been getting there recently is I've been encountering lots of young people and children with developmental trauma and teams of people that are looking after them or trying their best to look after them and seeing the compassion warmth and understanding that a lot of these people that are trying to look after these young people have, but sometimes just need a bit of space in themselves to understand what's going on for these young people and some ideas for strategies to try, whether that's our behavioural responses or whatever. There's lots of things that we can improve on, you know, for these young people's lives, but I've had direct contact with some young people who have shared so much stuff so quickly. Um, And then this week and the last few weeks, yeah, meeting with a few teams, who really want to soak up as much, like, how do we do better for these young people? And how do we understand this level of trauma? And what is it we're feeling as a team? And why are we stuck in this desperate state? Uh, There's just so so many people that have been willing to look at what it is they're doing. And not that they're getting anything wrong, but how can we enhance that and understand more? And it's that my approach there is like, right, I'm coming in from a point of, I've got compassion for this team of people who are having a torturous time with some really difficult and traumatized young people these young people are having a difficult time with their lives so I'm got I'm coming in with this compassion and understanding for both the young people and the team
1: yeah
0: we work together alongside each other to find these different places and seeing visibly the shift uh, and people's like realization of like oh we haven't Thought of that thing, and then seeing their compassion shift because it's been blocked sometimes by young people who present with really, really challenging. And when I say challenging behaviour, it's not just someone being a bit naughty; it's really, really difficult stuff. Um, And just seeing, yeah, the shift and like, oh, we can understand that better and try this. So I've had a series of moments like that that. I haven't been me going to seek out joy they've been like god this is really hard but like how can I help to understand them how can I be alongside yeah. these people and then through that yeah getting a lot of nourishment and joy out of like seeing that and then seeing the uh outcomes of that of trying things with young people and it's starting to shift things for them as well yeah, um, yeah. and that I just can't really communicate enough how privileged a position that is to be in but how moving that is and how yeah yeah um, it's just it's a really beautiful thing um yeah. and i'm very grateful to be able to um be invited and in to do that and to help people do that and then yeah get something myself get some needs met myself as well
1: absolutely yeah so, yeah. yeah and you've you said something similar uh just now to this to me um but i'm going to echo it back to you which is that those uh young people and other people who you're working with are really lucky to have somebody like you who they work with like i if if i'd had you as my therapist as a teenager i'd be uh 10 less fucked up now (laughs) (laughs) thank you
0: very much for saying that um I'd be glad to have helped with a 10% less fucked up mess of somebody. Um, Thanks, man.
1: Well, you're doing it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. That's um, that's really lovely. Thank you.
1: Cool. All right. I think that's uh, that's episode eight of Joy Story wrapped, right? See you. (laughs) Bye. What was that? What was that? What was that noise? <laughs> I was going to say see you buy and then go. Um, oh, I th- I, you said see you buy. I didn't hear what you said. I thought you said see bye. Um, I thought that was a reference to something I didn't I understand. Think,
0: I mean, it kind of actually, see, that is it. I've just stolen that actually without even realising that see you buy. Um,
1: is it from Drag Race? It's from
0: Drag Queens. Um, but they so there's a podcast I listen to called... And 40% podcast, which is a Future Armor podcast presented by drag queens and queer people.
1: Oh, wow, that sounds awesome!
0: It's brilliant. It's brilliant.
1: That's cool. I'm so gonna from look that up.
0: Queer perspective on Future Armor, episode yeah. by episode.
1: Um, oh, mate, that sounds so good.
0: It's really, really good. Um, and they say, like, I think they say, yeah, bye. Um, or oh, do they do, that might not be that podcast That is a drag queen that does that There's another podcast I'm listening to Which is called, they don't need a plug But it's called uh, Smartless And it's
1: Jason Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yes. yeah So Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman and Jason Jason uh, Wait Jason, oh, no. Jason Is it Jason? Uh, Jason Lego Batman, no, Will, Will Arnett
1: Will Arnett, there you go, there it is Jason? Yeah Who's
0: oh, is that going from? Anyway, they end by saying bye. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So um,
1: wh- while we're recommending podcasts, actually, I was going to mention this earlier on because it's really relevant to our conversation. There's a great podcast called Fantai, which is about exactly what we've been talking about. It's about those people moments in popular culture where something you love becomes problematic or you love something that already is problematic and that kind of thing. Um, again, but both of the hosts are coming from... I don't feel like I can say queer perspective because <sighs> I don't think I can use that. How narrative. dare I mean, you? I'll say an LGBTq right? perspective. Said it. You said it. Well, only in the context of I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it, right? Um, so so you, feel like I, you can
0: say the letter Q, but not the word that it stands for.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's like I can say the N-word, but I can't say the N-word. You can say the N-word. I can say the N word, but I can't say. You can the say N-word. the N word. <laughs> anyway, Fantai is really, really good, and they talk about exactly these issues that we've been talking about. Um, I'm sure they've done an episode on J.K. Rowling, but they've certainly done ones okay. on Michael Jackson and also okay. of kind of interesting people. Um, so check well, that out as well. Well, we've landed in
0: like a new section of the podcast, which is recommendations.
1: Yeah, yeah. I d- I don't want to get too set in it because at the moment my podcast is like. Middle aged dad listening, it's all like history podcasts and like the rise of Adolf Hitler and stuff like that. And occasionally, I look at my like folder and think, What's happened to me? I've just become a middle aged dad. You know,
0: we didn't do our Welcome to Joy story together in unison at the beginning.
1: No, we didn't. And I'm okay, I'm okay with it. I'm all right, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm all right to let that tradition,
1: yeah, I think it's had its time. (laughs) I because I was trying to think in my head,
0: What is it we say at the end?
1: Um. Yeah, we can. Well, I think we can leave that as well. Because I can't. Well, good. Because normally we say you've for. got you've got a friend. In you've us got a friend. Also. Yes. But the trouble is that started out as a kind of like, wouldn't this be really lame if we said you've got a friend in us? And now it's become a thing that we say every episode. You also, <laughs>
0: you've also, also just said
1: lame as well. I know. I know. Yeah. I saw your eyebrows raise. I just need a better words to replace it with. It's it hard, isn't it? Really...
0: When you can't find like a good enough.
1: Yeah. Word. Yeah, yeah. Um, I apologise. Okay. Um.
0: Anyway, uh, yeah, I know what you mean, it, though. About it, the, you've it got started
1: out that. ironically and has become unironic. So that's. I think we need to ditch it. Okay. Um. See you. Bye.